Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to part five of Darker Demons. When we left off the last time, Alexandra and Tom had had an argument because Tom accused Alexandra of calling Jake the night before, and she hadn't called him, and she gets very angry, and she tells Tom that she's going to leave, and that's where we pick it up. Tom looks crestfallen. He quickly apologizes for doubting her and begs her not to leave. I'll think about it, Alexandra says. I'd just like to be alone for a while. Take all the time you need, he says. As soon as Tom is out of the room, Alexandra gathers her few belongings and leaves the apartment through the back door. There is no one in the alley as she makes her way to the side street next to the building. She heads for her old home at the convent. The police knock on the door 45 minutes later to return the key. Thanks, Mr. Bouchard. Tom takes the key and says thank you to the detective. He waits a few minutes, then knocks on the bedroom door. There's no answer. He opens the door to an empty room. Sitting in the holding cell, Caitlin is struggling to keep control. The family lawyer, who had some harsh words for the local police, promised to have her out before dinner time. And they had fingerprinted her, photographed her, taken her belongings, placed them in a plastic bag, and escorted her to the cell. Waiting is torture. Her mind keeps going back to her time with Jake. Her body is craving his touch. She feels as if she's in the throes of a horrible bout of withdrawal, shivering, crying, aching all over. Hearing someone approaching her cell, she gets up. She sees her lawyer walking with the police officer. It's the last thing she sees. The entity in possession of her body departs. She begins convulsing violently as her brain is wiped clean, leaving her an empty shell. By the time the officer and the lawyer reach the cell, Caitlin is collapsed on the floor in a vegetative state. The officer hurriedly unlocks and opens the cell door. The lawyer kneels down next to Caitlin and tries to arouse her but gets no response. Call an ambulance. What have you done to her, he demands to know. Nothing, sir. We didn't do anything. It was just a routine booking. I swear she was fine when I brought her here. None of this matters to Caitlin. She is in a place beyond reach. Alexandra hears the news when she stops to grab a cup of coffee. Prominent businesswoman Caitlin Jensen, wife of the late Judge Harley Jensen, was arrested earlier today for the murder of her husband. Sources inside the police department say she is accused of taking part in a plot with her former employee, Alexandra Dumont, to murder Jensen's husband and flee the country with his money. When her lawyer arrived at the jail to speak with his client, he found her on the floor of her cell, unresponsive. She was transported to Tulane Medical Center and put on life support. The doctor in charge of her case, Dr. Jerry Sanford, told us she is in stable condition but could not provide us with any further details. 
Jensen had originally told the police Dumont phoned her the night of the murder and lured her out of the house. She then claimed Dumont went to the house and murdered Judge Jensen, then committed suicide. Now police suspect Dumont and Jensen planned the murder together, but believe Jensen ultimately committed the murder alone, planning to take all of the money and flee the country. Dumont is still at large and is wanted for questioning. Anyone with information related to the crime or Dumont's whereabouts is asked to call 1-800-TIP-LINE. Dazed and confused by the news, Alexandra decides to occupy her mind, trying to piece together the puzzle her life has become. I'm certain Caitlin and Jake are having an affair, one that may have started the night we went to Caitlin's anniversary party. I don't know who it was, whose idea it was to bump off the judge, but my bet is Caitlin's. She seemed drawn to Jake from the get-go. She only married the judge for his money, and it was common knowledge she hadn't been faithful. I should have recognized what was happening between the two of them, the way they avoided each other whenever we were all together, how she didn't like him when I complained about him, how she flushed when I talked about our sex life. All the signs were there. Damn, how could I have been so stupid? The honking horn jolts her back to the present, and she sees she's crossed at a green light. She jumps back and waves at the driver who had nearly hit her. He gives her the finger and shakes his head. Nice. So where was I? The two of them decide to murder the judge and pin it on me. They get the judge's money and everything is rosy. So why keep me alive? Why not just eliminate me? Tie up the loose end. She wonders if Jake is responsible for Caitlin's arrest. I guess that makes sense. He let her think he was going along with the plan, but all the time he had his own agenda. But why? Why throw away the chance to have the money and Caitlin? It can't be because he really loves me, or he would never have slipped with her in the first place. Would he? Killing time in his office, Jake is interrupted by his assistant. The police are here. They would like to have a word with you. Send them in, Aaron, he says. He stands and reaches out to shake Detective Thibodeau's hand. Good morning. What can I do for you gentlemen today? Sitting down across from Jake, the detective says, we'd like to go over your story again. Certainly. Which part of my so-called story would you like to hear, Jake asks. My apologies. I didn't make it mean to make it sound as if what you told us was a story and not the facts. Why don't you start with the day of the murder? All right. I arrived at Alexandra's apartment about 5 p.m. We talked about going to see the new movies, Darker Demons. I didn't have any interest, but Alex likes, liked ghost stories. If I may interrupt, how long were you and Miss Dumont dating? About six months. May I continue, Jake asks. Of course, a little over six months, you say. And you never suspected she was sleeping with her boss, Detective Thibodeau asks. I'm sorry, did you just say Alexandra had been having an affair with Caitlin? You must be mistaken. Where did you hear this? We received an anonymous phone call last night. The caller claimed Dumont and her boss were lovers. The detective tells him, We think it is possible Jensen and Dumont plotted the murder together, the detective says. We stopped by Mrs. Jensen's this morning. Stopped by? You make it sound as if you were paying a social call, Jake observes. No, sir, we certainly weren't doing that. And when you stopped by, did you ask her 
ask her about the supposed sexual relationship with Alexander? Jake wants to know. We did. She denied it. In fact, Mrs. Jensen insinuated you and she were having an affair. Really? I wonder why she would make such an absurd claim, Jake says. It's not true, then, the detective asks. It is most definitely not true, Jake replies. We have Jensen in custody. We found the murder weapon stashed in her office. Unfortunately, she suffered a seizure while being held. She's in the hospital, the detective tells Jake. That is unfortunate. Shall I continue, Jake asks, not registering any emotion at the news of Caitlin's arrest. Yes, yes, uh, please continue. As I was saying, we had talked about seeing the movie, but Alex said she wasn't feeling well. She asked if I would mind staying in. I told her that was fine with me. We decided to order Chinese and just watch a film at home. What's the name of the restaurant you ordered from? The detective asks. It was Chopsticks House. They delivered the food around six. Detective Thibodeau makes a note of this information. After we ate, Alex said her headache was worse and asked if I would mind just taking off. Was she prone to headaches, asks the detective. Yes, she frequently had migraines. She had a prescription for them, Jake answers. Do you know her doctor's name? No, but I'm sure it's on the bottle, Jake says. Did you see her take the medicine before you left her? No, I did not. Then what time was that? What time did you leave? I left at 7 p.m. The news was just ending as I closed the door behind me. Jake continues to fill in the details of the remainder of his night. He tells the detective he went home, had a couple of drinks, and fell asleep in front of the television. He awakened to see his girlfriend's face on the news. He must have been pretty upset, Detective Thibodeau says. It is more of a question than a statement. Yes, Detective, Jake replies. I left my girlfriend thinking I would see her the next day and instead heard she had disappeared after murdering her best friend's husband. You could say I was pretty upset. I would say I was devastated. Were you expecting to marry Miss Dumont? We never discussed it, but I think we had both expected our relationship to go that way, Jake replies. All right, well, I think that's it for now. We'll let you know if we have any further questions. Jake only nods his head, thinking, you won't get anything else from me, you idiot. Summer hangs over the city, already steamy at 10 a.m. The moisture-laden air blurs the edges of the buildings. Ghost-like ripples of heat rise from the sidewalk. Alexandra sees the familiar sign for Dauphine Street. Ringing the bell at the convent gate, she is suddenly afraid the residents will turn her away. She hasn't been in contact with anyone here for at least two years. Relief washes over her as she sees a familiar face. Rosalyn, it's me. It's Alexander, she says, reaching up self-consciously and tossing her short hair. Oh, Alex, it's wonderful to see you. I didn't recognize you. Please come in. Come in, Rosalyn says, opening the door and reaching out to embrace her old friend. Overwhelmed by the warmth of the welcome and her exhaustion, Alexandra can barely stand. Please, I need to sit down. I, I've been through a great deal these past few days, she says. Guiding Alexandra to a chair, Rosalyn leaves to fetch a cold drink. Here, have some lemonade. If I remember correctly, it was your favorite, Rosalyn says. Still is. This tastes wonderful, Alexandra says, gulping down the icy sweet beverage. 
what has finally brought you back to us? I have a feeling this isn't just a friendly visit. Guilt and gratitude are reflected in her features as she recounts recent events. When she has finished, Rosalind asks, what can we do to help? Shrugging her shoulders, she tells her friend, I just felt compelled to come here. I guess I didn't know where else to go. It seems like a natural thing to want to go home when your life is coming apart. Of course it is. Perfectly natural. You know you're always welcome here, no matter how long you stay away, Rosalind says, trying to sound stern. Alexandra apologizes for neglecting her surrogate family. I understand. Life gets complicated, Rosalind replies. Rosalind leads Alexandra to a room on the second floor of the building. The space overlooks a small courtyard where the jasmine is in full bloom. Alexandra opens the window and takes in the aroma of her favorite flowers, the street sounds of the quarter, the morning light filtering through the thick air. Unable to remember why she was once so desperate to leave this place, she turns and tells Rosalind, thank you. Rosalind gives her a parting hug. Get some rest now. I will let Claire know you are here. Will you be joining us for lunch? Yes, I would love that, Alexandra replies. The instant Rosalind is gone, Alexandra collapses on the bed and immediately falls asleep. Rosalind rushes to Claire's office to tell her, he's here. Alexandra awakens. Momentarily confused, she searches the room for anything familiar. Heart pounding, she gets up and walks to the window. Realizing with relief she is back in the convent, she shakes her head. A little shell-shocked, aren't we, she asks herself. She heads down the hall to the bathroom. The shower is on the cool side, triggering memories of her past. This place never did have decent hot water. You would think they'd gotten it fixed by now, she grumbles to herself. Gazing in the mirror, she barely recognizes the gaunt woman with the short, maize-colored hair. We have come a long way, baby. Now where do we go from here? A knock on the door amazing. Alexandra, are you in there? We are ready to sit down to lunch, Rosalind. Rosalind tells her through the door. Yes, Rossi, I'll be down in a few minutes. Eagling, her friend replies, no one has called me that since you left. Okay, I think that's the end of this week's part of the story. And if you'd like to see how it ends, go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and get a copy of Darker Demons today. And I will be back next week with part six. And that's it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.